This is a Main Hustle Media Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Jackie O and you're listening to Militantly Mixed. Yo, this is Rashani from the Single Simulcast. And when I'm not making you laugh or making up parody songs, I'm kicking back listening to Militantly Mixed. Welcome to Militantly Mixed, the podcast about race and identity from the mixed race perspective. I assure you, I am your normal host, Charmaine, a.k.a. Mixed Girl Maine, but my voice is messed up for the second week in the row. Second week in the row? That's not the phrase, is it? Second week in a row. A row. <laughs> okay, fine. Whatever. I'm exhausted, people. Um, yes, my voice is messed up. Again, but not for the same reason it was last week. Last week, my voice was messed up because I was in the smoke zone, not the burn zone of the Getty Museum fire here in Los Angeles. I I actually do work one freeway exit north of the Getty Museum. So when I did go back to work after they cleared us, the, um, um, the, the smolder zone was still happening. Like you could still smell the smoke and everything like that. And then I had really bad air quality down where I live, which is south of the Getty fire, but in the pocket where all the smoke collected before the the winds blew him out to the sea. So that's why my voice was so messed up last week. This week, my voice is messed up because last night, as I've been teasing on the show, I attempted stand-up comedy for the first time. That's my sad little air horn with my bad voice. So yes, I was invited to do a five-minute set for the first time at the Moral Support Show at the Ruby Theater by former guest of Militantly Mixed, Marie Wojcicki. She was from episode six, Same Colonizer, Wrong Country. And uh, we met last year at a sketch comedy writing class and bonded over being the two mixed people in in the group. We've remained friends and I've gone to moral support, not every month, but most months. There's been a few times when I've been out of town or something else has been going on. But moral support is a show that Marie puts on at the Ruby Theater each month for primarily LGBTQ plus POC comedians to get a chance to get a taped version of their set so that they can use that to shop themselves around to other comedy clubs. It's a really good idea. I mean, by name, moral support it really is a moral support show. The audience who goes to that show is there to support the comics while either they're working out new material or they're still trying to, you know, develop who they are as a comedian. Um, And of course, the fact that Marie is providing the service of giving people a videotape for their set is, um, is just really great. It's the best place in the world to try stand-up comedy for the first time. Let me tell you. I I was invited last month, actually, but within days before the uh, the show was going to go on, and I was not prepared. <laughs> I was I I always knew I wanted to try stand up, but um, I wouldn't have been able to put together a set that fast, and I was too nervous, so I said no. But I I told her I would do the following month, 
And next thing I know, it's already November 1st and it was time. And I was, again, not really prepared. I have been thinking about my set for the whole last month, but October, as I, as I said last week, was unexpectedly busy. I did not know I was going to be busy almost every single day of the month. And it has, it has just caught up to me. I'm so exhausted. I, I can't tell if my voice, I'm pretty sure my voice is hoarse because I, afterwards on the car ride home and when we got home after, I was just jabbing like crazy, expressing to my husband what the experience is like to do that. I am not a person that gets embarrassed. Like that gene did not happen to me. I don't get embarrassed. I mean, I, I can barely think of actual moments of embarrassment. I mean, I think I get like internally embarrassed where like I remember I've said something and I replay it in my head and I'm like, oh, Charmaine, why'd you do that kind of thing? But like, I don't get embarrassed in front of people. Um, I can fall, I can spill things, I can say stupid things, correct myself. I just don't really get embarrassed because I feel like, you know, I'm human. I'm going to do weird things sometimes. And so, yeah, it just doesn't, it doesn't affect me. I've, I've, I guess I'm kind of lucky that I've been like that my whole life. Um, I get nervous, but I don't often get nervous. Like I always kind of can find ways to calm my nerves. Like, uh, if I'm lost in traffic or something like that, I don't get nervous because I know that I have the technology to find my way back home. You know, if it's not GPS, I could pull off the side of the road and ask somebody. So like, I don't ever feel lost on the road. Whereas like my husband, when he drives, gets really panicky because he doesn't where he, when he doesn't know where he's going. So I don't have that kind of nerves. I don't have stage fright. I, I've done public speaking engagements. I used to be a performer as a child and a teenager. I don't get stage fright. Usually how stage fright manifests for me is after my performance is done, my knees buckle, my legs get weak, my stomach fills with butterflies because I guess all that adrenaline leaves your system. And I've always associated that feeling after the performance as being the time I've gotten stage fright, but I don't, maybe that's not even accurately what it is. It's just what I call it. This though was the most terrifying thing <laughs> I ever did. <laughs> it was both, it was like simultaneously terrifying and really exciting at this. It was so crazy. And I didn't put it together until I was partway driving home. The only other time I felt nerves this heavy was when I tried skydiving for the first time. And there was a video of me skydiving. You can find it on YouTube. If you, if you do find it on YouTube, 10 points, um, it is like, there's a video of my face and it's like, it's the first time I ever got to see what my fear face looks like. And I remember being how, how scared I was. Um, cause I, I have a fear of heights and, um, I was trying to stand up to that fear by, doing something really extreme, going skydiving. And it did. It helped knock out my my uh, fear of heights for a really long time. It's been over a decade now, so I'm afraid of heights again. But, you know, what are you going to do? But I remember looking at the video of me being afraid and just being like, oh, yes, I remember exactly how that felt in that moment. And um, I'm trying to describe to my husband as I'm coming, as we're coming home, like how I was feeling. And I was like, oh, I remember now. This is the closest thing I've ever felt to jumping out of the airplane. Like in no other situations, I've been in really stressful and scary situations in my life. I've been in uh, crossfire exchanges in the neighborhood I grew up in. I've been at, uh, you know, like uh, picnics and things like that where fights broke out in the park and there were gunfire. I have been in, you know, really scary car accidents and things like that. Like I've had moments of 
legitimate fear and in comparison the kind of fear and nerves and whatever that you feel or at least that I felt when I was jumping out of the plane is very is almost exactly how I felt last night doing this performance. I I worked on a set. I had all these ideas. I tried to whittle them down to, you know, a few topics that I can go on and and I just like it just kept dropping out of my head. Like it just kept dropping out of my head while I was doing it. The I don't know if this was a good or a bad thing for me, but I was afraid I wasn't going to hear my name be announced when it was my time, so I stood really close to where I could hear uh, Marie introducing the show instead of being all the way in the green room uh, waiting. And uh, Marie's set was, her opening set was so funny. I was really trying to like not to laugh out loud so that people can hear my, my loud cackling laugh in the background, but it was so funny. And then she said the thing that all of us makes people experience, which was also part of my set. You're so exotic looking. And because she was explaining to the audience that she was mixed race and it freaked me out because that was pretty much my opening like minute. And I got nervous that I'm like, oh, crap, they're going to think that I just heard her and um, and mimicked her and stuff like that. So I was like, what do I do? How do I change this? How do I change it? So like moments before I'm about to get on stage, I'm sitting there trying to like rework my opener and I lost everything. Everything disappeared. So I get up on stage. I was really nervous. And I think I physically showed my nerves. Like I felt like I was wearing my shoulders as earrings because my back and my shoulders and my neck hurt so bad today. <laughs> um, so yeah, I get up there and I, that's it. I lose myself. I, 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 t- I end up saying to the audience, like off the cuff, something about like, today's going to be an education and mixedness between Marie and me. And then nothing was in my brain, absolutely nothing. And I had to refer to my phone, which is something that I, I, as a frequent stand-up comedy goer, I go about once or twice a week sometimes when I'm not busy. My husband, and I love stand-up comedy. We live in a great city for comedy. We go every week pretty much. But I always get frustrated when I see comics looking at their notes um, because I I don't know the craft, right? I just feel like you haven't memorized this yet or whatever, which is really uncharitable of me. But Okay, to be more correct about that, if it's midweek and they look at their notes, I, it doesn't bother me because I know they're working out material. But if it's Friday, Saturday, I get upset when I see, not upset, that's a heavy word. I just don't like when I see it on Friday and Saturday because that's your best material. That's like the day you're really supposed to come in hard. People pay a little bit more on those days, you know, things like that. But yeah, I had to do this thing that I absolutely that just bothers me. And I looked at my notes on my phone and I even said it, I like announced it to the audience. I'm going to look at my phone because I don't remember what my set is. And then I tried to speak and I lost it again and I had to look at my phone again. Um, and, uh, and then the crowd, like just talk about moral support. The crowd like came through, started clapping, um, and like, you know, stuff like that. Um, it's such a good crowd. It's really, it's, it's a small black box theater, but it is always such a good, and supportive crowd. And then this one voice kind of whooped towards the front of the crowd. Cause you can't see the crowd when you're up on stage, you can't see the crowd. Um, and it's a familiar whoop because as a frequent goer of moral support, I have heard this person laugh several times. It's a person that goes to every show and I believe his name is Jason. 
And um, I, I heard him make a sound and I looked in his direction and then I was able to kind of catch it back. Like I because I couldn't see the audience, it was really tough for me. I needed to look into the eyes of someone. And so he was the only person who I could really kind of see his face a little bit because he was towards the front. And so I kind of zeroed in on him and I got it back and I was able to start my jokes. And um, and I'm not really a joke teller. That's the thing, too. I'm like I've, I've said before, I'm dinner table funny. So I can tell a story and kill at a dinner table. But um, I do a lot of inserts and things like that. But like in terms of a crafting a joke, I have no idea how to do that. And um, and usually it's all it's something like I've said off the cuff that I end up writing down and I try to fill out, figure out how to get a joke to there. Um, but I'm not a good joke teller and I can't retell somebody's jokes <laughs> very well. So in this case, I I just started out telling stories and um, that really happened with a little bit of embellishment for comedy. And when my first joke, which I was really proud of the concept of, got laughs, that was a really big deal. Like it was it was a big deal to be able to get laughs. I even got laughs from my husband, which I wasn't sharing my set with him because I wanted to see, like, he's the only laugh that I know will tell me if it's not funny and I know him and can trust him. So, you know, the audience members, I don't know if they're laughing because it's funny or if they're laughing because they're just in the mood to laugh at a comedy club. But so I told this opening joke and, and my husband laughed and I knew he was surprised by it because he hadn't heard it before. And then I lost it a little bit again, but I didn't look at my notes. I just kept talking and it worked out. I ended up inserting a joke that wasn't planned in and that actually got a, the, my second big laugh. And so I was glad about that. And then everything goes to a blur. I know that I continued to talk for another two minutes I don't remember at all which jokes I did. I know what I had planned. I don't remember saying the things that I had planned. And then I saw the light that tells you it's you got like 30 seconds to wrap up. And and I left. And then I thought <laughs> I thought I was going to go back into the audience and finish watching the show because I was in the green room with all the other comedians, uh, with the comedians. Not I'm not no not even close yet. Um, but once I got there, I couldn't move. Like I just, I ended up sitting on the couch chat, chatting with the people that were back there and my body was going crazy. Like I was paralyzed by the adrenaline that was coursing through my body. It's so crazy. I, um, and because I didn't know any of these people that I was in the green room with and I didn't want to impact their performances or whatever, I just kind of laid there and chatted like everything was normal. But the little wizard on the inside of my brain that was moving the dials was freaking out. So like on the outside, I'm sitting here trying to look like, oh, yeah, no big deal. I do this all the time. But on the inside, my body was freaking out. I I just lost a whole bunch of the night. It's so weird. It's it's almost equivalent to when you go into surgery and you get the anesthesia and then you wake up and a whole situation has happened to your body and you're just not aware because you weren't awake. That's really, it's very similar to that. That's how I feel. Like coming out of surgery is how I felt in the aftermath of my standup, which is nuts. And the fear and the adrenaline that I felt jumping out of a plane is how I felt leading up to and being on stage. Those are completely incompatible events, and yet that's exactly the equivalent of how I felt. It's so bizarre. Um, so, I mean, I say all of that just to say, like, 
try shit, <laughs> try to do things that you wanted to do. Um, even if you're scary, uh, you're scared to do it or you have self doubt or whatever. I, in 2017, a significant event happened in my life that derailed the direction things were going in. My career that I had invested, you know, many, many years into basically was derailed and I didn't know what was going to be next. And I started to try shit I hadn't tried before that I've always wanted to try. And I decided to try to focus more on me rather than continue to sink labor and effort into things that weren't making me happy to do it, but I was just doing it because I'd always done it. And I, I feel a lot better for it. I mean, Militantly Mix has pulled me out of major depression a couple of times. And while I will always deal with depression, knowing that I have Militantly Mix to turn to when things are rough and know that I can, even in my pain, help other people too, is just brought a meaning to my life I never expected I would have. Making the efforts to try sketch comedy writing or like last night, trying stand up for the first time has made me stop fearing investing in myself as much. Honestly, I, I think in general, I'm a funny person. I make the people in my life laugh and I wanted to see if I could do that to strangers. And even though it was difficult to do it and I stumbled at first, I was able to make strangers laugh and it felt great. And I'm so glad that I tried it. And I was so emotional after I can't even tell you, like I cried like four times um, in a weird kind of like letting out the adrenaline kind of way. So I have to say like, now that I'm changed my mentality of investing in myself, um, I'd say that my life is dope and I do dope shit. (laughs) So uh, hopefully you do that for yourself as well. And, um, I've already hit 17 minutes. So rather than put this as the intro to the next episode, what I'm going to do is go ahead and release this on Saturday, November 2nd, just to keep you all posted on what happened last night. And, um, I'll just throw in a couple more announcements as well. Uh, so we did hit the $300 a month goal for October for Patreon sponsorship. Thank you to everybody who participated, um, over the course of October, whether you increased your bids or you added for the first time. I also, through the sponsorship this month, have engaged with people who just recently discovered the show and started to sponsor. So I'm so excited and appreciative of that. Um, just knowing that this money is coming through now, it's going to help me pay off some of the things that I have, you know, had to do to invest in this show. And it'll keep the monthly fees at bay and things like that. It'll take me a couple months to catch up on some of the stuff, but the fact that it's there and I don't have to stress out given that I've had a very difficult year this year financially, um, it's just such a relief and I'm so appreciative. So shout out to, uh, who I've mentioned before T from a couple weeks ago, T who left me the voicemail that pretty much changed my world. Um, shout out to T for being a Patreon sponsor. Uh, Shout out to Tiana, who you will probably hear on an upcoming episode of Militantly Mixed soon. And shout out to Adela Colvin of the Lola Bean Yarn Co., who you should all be very familiar with through previous episodes. And to Dakota Duffy, who pushed us over to 301 on October 31st. And I uh, just thank you to all the support. It really, really helps. And I just really am looking forward to 2020 being the year that main hustle media is the main hustle 
and I don't have to rely on having a job to continue to produce these shows and add more shows to the roster. There's so many other shows that I would love to do. And, you know, it's just about time and money at this point to make it happen. So thank you so much for your investment in me and in this show. I'm so grateful. I really am. If you have been considering sponsoring the show, but you haven't done so yet, you can go to patreon.com slash militantly mixed. And oh, that's my stomach growling. Um, where was I? Uh, Patreon.com slash Militantly Mixed. You can sponsor as low as a dollar to as high as anything you wish. You can also even select your own category, pick your own rate if you if you want, and then you'll just receive the rewards that are the levels, all the levels below that. And help me hit the goal for November. So the goal for November is $400, and we are on our way already. We got $99 more to go for the month of November. And if you're not able to commit to a monthly sponsorship, but you do want to contribute to the show in some way, shape, or form, you can go to paypal.me slash militantlymixed and drop some coins in that tip jar. Uh, All of the sponsorship is appreciative. It all goes into the same bank account, uh, which is the main hustle media bank account and uh, supports keeping the show going. And I'm just, I'm just so excited that we're doing so well right now. Um, Consistently growing and downloads each month and uh, bit by bit and new people are finding us getting new reviews on iTunes. I don't think we have reviews on any other podcatcher yet. So if you do listen to the show on Spotify or Google Play or Stitchers and stuff like that, please go ahead and um, subscribe, rate and review on those podcatchers as well, because it really does help other people see your podcast, especially if they follow Militantly Mixed and they listen to other things or if they follow other things that people also listen to Militantly Mixed to. It helps uh, show us off to other people. So uh, thank you for that. If you have time to just write a quick little review of the show and uh, try to rate us at a five-star review, that would be great. And yeah, so I think what I'm going to do, I was going to release this as the episode opener for Tuesday, but I've already talked for 21 minutes. So I'm just going to release this today on Saturday because I'm in my feelings about it. And what I'm going to do for Tuesday, rather than release a new episode, is I'm going to release a best of in honor of Marie Wachke, the depressed auntie, inviting me to participate on moral support this week. I am going to rerun the episode that she and I did last year. And yeah, I guess I guess that's it for today. Happy weekend, y'all. I can already hear my voices improved over the course of the uh, of the recording. So that's dope. Yeah. Talk to y'all on Tuesday. Bye. Militantly Mix is a main hustle media podcast produced and hosted by me, Charmaine Fury. Music is by David Bogan, the one. You can follow us on social media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Militantly Mixed. If you'd like to become a sponsor of Militantly Mixed, please go to patreon.com slash militantly mixed for monthly sponsorship or paypal.me slash militantly mixed for a one-time only donation. And if you like what you hear on Militantly Mixed, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to be your mixed-ass self. Main Hustle Media. Turn your side hustle into your main hustle.